of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Oscar nomination day is here. I feel <laughs> dumb. I don't know why we do this to ourselves. Also, Mike, also on the horn. How do you feel, Mike? Well, I'm I'm up and down. You know, there's shut up. <laughs> this is this is. I'm furious about women talking. I'm furious about the lead actress category. You are just furious because like your predictions went awry. Like this is not. I, no, I'm not, because that happens every year. Yeah, <laughs> I went but, into the, num- the the predictions being but like, oh, I'm going to suck. Good that women talking got in. We're happy about this. <sighs> to an extent, but you can't have two no- like two nominations and one being a best picture to me is like, mm-hmm. come on. It's happened before. It'll, it'll happen like again. I don't like it then either. I don't, I, and I won't like it then either. I don't like it. I don't like it. You should have at least two undercard noms to substantiate <laughs> you being a best picture nom. And they had some obvious, easy ways to do it, too. Like, they yeah. were favored in certain categories that didn't come through. Again, this is like a gambler's, a gambler's uh, lament in many a cases. <laughs> but we, we do this every single year. It's the agony and the ecstasy, and it's... And then it's our own egos flying off the handle because we kind of do a year-round Oscar podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we do for the most part, right? <laughs> I mean, sometimes we'll do like a MMO screams or something. No, the focus, the hope of this podcast for, for 12 months a year is that we do something Academy Award related every time. I would say about 10 and a quarter months of the year. <laughs> We do Oscars related content. All right, we and take October good. off. We yeah. do. We did. We take October off. We do the yeah. the, the scaries and horror yeah. stuff, and then and then we just like randomly put, like you were just texting me the other day, like what rewatch series are we gonna do? It's Transformers time, it's Transformers. and I'm like, we I just do Transformers and Indiana Jones and a cross <laughs> dueling reviews. Yeah. <laughs> That's about all we're going to be good for, considering how we were on these uh, nomination predictions. You did well. I was okay. Again, yeah, I, you did all right for yourself. 84 out of 105. I got 72 out of 105. I was better last year. But the best thing I did, like, just here's how I, how I know I'm getting old. The best <laughs> thing I did, sir, was I created a spreadsheet. Yeah. I created a spreadsheet, <laughs> and I was able to track my predictions immediately yeah. and then yeah. tweet about it. And that's what matters. <laughs> Letting everyone know how we did. Uh, so, I don't know. Where do you want to start with this uh, journey into these Oscar noms? Obviously, we're going to start with Best Picture. I-, I guess the way to dive in there is to say that we were right in saying that there's seven and then three kind of wild card spots, except one of those spots, which was one of the only three we got right because we had the same ten in our predictions, wasn't a wild card because it was All Quiet on the Western Front, which finished with the second most nominations. Yes, so that that's a surprise to me, even still. I thought I'd do five, six, but yeah. All Quiet getting nine is pretty incredible. That's a that's a hell of a day for it. So, the, like, the world is back to normal, I would say. Like, we're, we're back to normalcy, as, as, a, as a terrible president once said uh, <laughs> as well. But we're bad at best picture, and we got yeah. eight out of ten here, which is, I mean, we probably should think, we probably should sign up for that every year. If we can get eight out of ten every year, 
if this wasn't a static <laughs> tenure, there'd yeah. be eight Best Picture noms. I don't think any of the major pundits got ten out of ten, but I mean, they're all tweeted us and be, be regular. But you're you're right. I mean, the fact that this is a static ten affects this. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 do you disagree with that? I think there would be 10 best. This would be an eight best picture field if this was last year's. Well, well just look at the math. We knew we had 17 film films, 17, 18 films vying for, you know, just, you know, eight to 10 spots if, if it was right. not, not a fixed 10. So yeah, absolutely. Typically you need a, a threshold in the old rules to get your, get to the actual nomination, but the, it was definitely spread out this year. There's no question about it. So the best picture 10 we have going in here are Everything Everywhere All at Once. That led the field to the only movie that had double-digit noms. It did land 11. All Quiet on the Western Front and The Banshees of Inishirin both had nine noms apiece. Elvis had eight. The Fablemans with seven. Tar, Top Gun, Maverick each had six. Avatar, The Way of Water had four. And then the final two, which were the wild card two that you could fill in there, Triangle of Sadness and Women Talking with three noms and two noms respectively. That's your best picture 10, Michael. Yeah, missed from our predictions were Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. However, Wakanda Forever showed up in the undercard quite a bit, so you're yeah, not going to do bad I don't there. understand why that's not a best... Like, I'm sorry, women talking is fine. Wakanda Forever should be the best picture now. Five nominations on the day for for Black Panther. The Whale got three nominations as well. But this, again, this is just a, a, gambler's, uh, a gambler's kicking of the... Or crumpling of the ticket? What do you kick when you're a game? You kick everything. You're People a near me. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not your beautiful dog. He's the never ne- your beautiful dog. <laughs> the nearest groin. The nearest groin, which is always your own. Yeah, no? yeah I'm flexible like that. <laughs> <laughs> what was that stupid movie? The Zohan. You're the Zohan of yes. flexibility. What are we talking <laughs> yes. about? We're talking uh, about... Future Oscar winner there. Future Zohan, Oscar yeah. winner, Oscar snub this year from yeah. Hustle. The fact that he's an Oscar snub is one of the greatest campaigns in Netflix <laughs> Oscars history. Congratulations, you guys. Anyway, I love Hustle, but to, come on. Um, yeah. We all are also missing at Best Pictures, Scott Yeager. I'm sorry, Babylon, only th- uh, three nominations on the day. He... he DM'd us. He's like, I will never forgive the Academy for what they have done to Babylon today. So we'll have to get him back. He's bum- bumming out by that. Batman got three noms. Living got two noms. I don't think those were headed for Best Picture. But RRR, it did get original song, but it did not get a Best Picture. And I'm after some. will show up with Paul Mescal, but not Best Picture. Pinocchio is going to show up down the card. We were wondering about Pinocchio crossing over. The Woman King and She Said were probably the the bigger disappointments on the day of films that actually had, we, we thought, a, a prayer of getting more love and nothing, really uh, nothing I mean, on the, the card. The, the Woman King is it's despicable what happened to that today. Finally. And, and I, I mean, Till wasn't up for Best Picture, but you can yeah. say, I mean, the, the Best Actress category is crazy finally i I missed this one earlier on the on the list here but glass onion will show up down the card critics choice golden globes in terms of the punditry and pgas for that matter i was kicking myself going into today i was like ah that was probably an obvious pair why didn't i just stick with glass onion especially when ryan johnson shows up in screenplay and then no it didn't follow through though there was definitely a trend of the strength of being a sequel this year. And Glass Onion, while it didn't help it to get to the Best Picture category, it does show up maybe in a couple places that 
it was on the border of or on the bubble of showing up and it seemed to to have landed but yeah all right those are your best picture 10 what do we uh any thoughts in general about what's here michael i think it's kind of cool that the can winner went went the distance the can film festival palm dior winner the big moment there it, again it, it it shows that these uh academy members go to film festivals they certainly understand that uh if you have a moment at an early festival it could have legs that and matters, yep. and look i it was not something that had a lot of success here in the states with the box office i mean it's done fairly well internationally i wonder what the budget is on triangle of sadness so that's that's a bit of a surprise it's also kind of cool that we got a late breaker with women talking in here so i'm glad for that i'm glad we don't have an entire sausage fest in this category <laughs> right yeah I, I mean i am grateful for that no doubt i mean we don't have the even though it is only one woman helm film and there were no women directors voted in the director category yeah, yeah we talked about the the possibility of there being 10 all male helm best picture nominees that won't be the case because of women talking so for that i am grateful but my anger comes from then you should be nominated more it should be just having one other best one other nomination besides best picture I agree with you there. I'll continue to agree with you down the card. Let's move on to Best Director, where we got Martin McDonough of Banshees, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert of Everything Everywhere, Steven Spielberg of The Fablemans, Todd Field, who we also believe is a good director, guys. Don't he forget He should this. just wear a football helmet. That's what he should do. <laughs> Inside jokes from Twitter arguments. Todd Field, <laughs> also known for his hats. From Tar, and then Ruben Ostland from Triangle men, of Sadness. Men, 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 men. Yeah. Just, just dudes. Just dudes being dudes. No Boz Lerman. Another dude. Didn't make the cut. But yeah, there's all all guys here. No, no female representation whatsoever. Joseph Kaczynski was the DGA nom he missed here. We had Gina Prince-Bythewood, a BAFTA nominee. Uh, and, uh, you know, Sarah Polly really never got... The momentum that uh, she deserved. Otherwise, Critics' Choice nominee, S.S. Rajamuli. We had uh, Critics' Choice and Golden Globe nominee, James Cameron. Charlotte Wells, who some hoped would you know come from an outside lane out of After Sun. Park Chan-wook, who got that, that last-minute BAFTA nom as well. Bad day for Decision to Leave. One of my bigger bummers on the, on the, on the morning. Yeah. But uh, look, I mean... I think we knew of a fixed four in director, and it yep. was it was going to be a coin toss for that fifth spot. It makes sense that Triangle of Sadness getting in for Best Picture also gets in for director and screenplay later down the card. So this, in terms of your pundit's argument, at least uh, follows some form, but Dolly DeLeon's not going to get picked later on for makes supporting no actress. So. Yeah, it makes no sense there. Mm-hmm. Um Speaking of Cameron, too, this is the second year in a row now we have this blockbuster technical marvel where the director, you know, colloquially gets all the credit in the world for playing the orchestra and putting together this masterpiece that doesn't make the best director category. Well, last year it was Villeneuve with Dune. This year it's James Cameron with uh, Avatar. He's falling short of the director category. So there's, I don't know what's going on with, I don't know if this is a trend or it's two outliers back-to-back years or whatever it is, but... You know, the big blockbuster isn't getting credit for the director behind it. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin's Steve Jobs is not exactly the best Oscars pundit in the yeah. world lately. No, not so much. Because that has not been working. And I, I wonder if it's more of a spread out spread out a, a field uh, just going forward because 
I do think it's a younger academy that probably goes to more film festivals that that even though they're working quite a bit, they're maybe more plugged in to how these campaigns are posturing, you know, a, a larger degree of films. And that's certainly going to show up with a, a certain little indie called Two Leslie down the down the <laughs> card here that we're getting there next. But I, yeah, I wonder if I wonder if things are spreading out more. It's certainly going international every year. Ruben Osland has paid his dues with that director category, but it's, shout out to Clayton Davis who uh, had that too. He yeah, had, uh, had Osland as his fifth, and it's funny too listening to him. He's like this this director category. I'm just gonna predict that they suck, <laughs> and they're gonna go in a certain direction. That's I, the default. That's yeah. why we missed it. You know. <laughs> well, we thought. That, I don't. Know, I I like Baz. Yeah, he was. He would have been a fun I thought, pick. I mean, but. again, I, if you're going to treat, if you're going to tell me Elvis is going to have what the fourth most nominations on the night, then I would think, oh yeah, Baz Luhrmann's one of them. But look at Gina Prince Bythewood, Sarah Polly, Charlotte Wells. The work is on the level. The work is good enough. Of Mary Marie Kreutzer of Corsage. I don't think that's correct pronunciation. Corsage. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. She had, she had a shot as well. Alice Jopp. Marie Schrader, I think I think at the end of the day, Marie Schrader, for the both of us, she said it's going to be high in our top ten when we finally do the MMOs. That's probably our pick, but we knew it wasn't realistic today. Correct. Absolutely correct. I mean, I don't understand. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, we've done this long enough now where things come full circle and we're able to see how the reception is for a movie that doesn't hit the, the right tenor right as it's released and then maybe a couple years later it's celebrated as a classic and how did that not get nominated more? I think she said's going to be one of those. Uh, just like I think Babylon's probably going to be one of those just like we said First Man was going to be one of those and it was this year. It had its like comeback full circle moment. So I, I, I think as time goes on she said and Babylon are kind of going to be treated as wow, we really missed the, missed the moment here. Cool shit that we like now is going to be cool shit that we're trendsetters. People like to say. later. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's, exactly. Yeah, it's, if people would just listen to us, then the world would be a better place. <laughs> Lead actress Michael. <laughs> hey, Andrea Reesboro's here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna De Armas for Blonde, Andrea Reesboro for Two Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Feldman does get in at Lead Actress, and Michelle Yeoh, of course. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, uh, what is it? Auspicious, conspicuous, <laughs> whatever. By their absence, both Daniel Deadweiler and Viola Davis of Till and The Woman King, respectively, miss this category. What? How does? Davis miss first of all I have she no has idea. everything she has globe I, choice, I told sag, you I apple. said I felt bad I had a bad feeling about uh, Viola Davis Daniel Deadweiler is, is more surprising to me I think but I had a bad feeling just because of how I thought the academy was going to treat the woman king which they did and I guess if we're pulling receipts I worried about Davis back when we reviewed the woman king because I'm like other than Russell Crowe and Gladiator this type of performance is usually usually snubbed the the action she gained. I don't get why. I mean, it's a yeah, it's a it's a fifty something year old woman making herself look like a twenty something year old woman and being a, a dynamo in the process physically. Yeah, so that's a bummer, and and we kind of called this out from different angles uh, throughout the last few months, and and you've been saying from the beginning, why is Till getting watched in the screener pyre? What's What's Till's second nomination yeah, that is forcing the Academy for yep. to watch it in their in their various branches? And Danielle Deadweiler might have been might have been the uh, what's the opposite of a beneficiary? The uh, fuck. it was to her detriment. Let's say 
she uh, yes it was to her detriment that maybe maybe these white academy members didn't want to watch that sad movie and and maybe what the woman king just didn't get watched enough unfortunately i mean it's it's gross but and, and, and to have god well ann thompson was saying it's also alphabetically positioned on the friggin academy uh streaming service so till and the woman king <laughs> Again, I'm just trying to come up with reasons why white people. You are think people just not race to the bottom of the potential nominees list? Is that I, what you're saying? I hope these stupid reasons are the real <laughs> reasons, and it's not just. I got a better reason for you, and it starts with an R. Right? Schmacism. Oh God! Again? Jesus. Uh, well, look. I mean, the, the you know the evidence is kind of stark. It's 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 a bad look. And, and here's the bummer of it all. Like Michelle Williams getting in here after especially the voter confusion with many of pundits, the best mm-hmm. of the pundits, including you and Scott Feinberg, that level of pundit, <laughs> were predicting Michelle Williams in supporting actress. Yeah. And it was going to be a needle through the or, or the thread through a needle kind of thing yep. here. My uh, my analogies aren't great this time. You're in the halfway morning. home on all these analogies. Dude. You're really doing something. <laughs> Why? Why would we get Michelle Williams of all people hedging them out or edging I, them out? I don't have an answer for that. I mean, it's kind of disgusting when you look at these things on their face as to who got in and who got out. And the most stark example, like Michelle Williams, you at least see the path as to how she got into lead actress. I, I Andrew Andrew Reesboro, what is the? I think it's Riseboro, but that's just, sure. Yeah. Riseboro, Reesboro, Basinger. <laughs> passenger what is the threshold that will affect the acting branch to get a nominee nominated because this nomination like we said in our prediction uh show last episode came out like within the last 72 hours before the the voting deadline for nominees Mm -hmm. for the academy and we heard all the pundits saying all the big pundits and the insiders Oh, there's these A-list celebrities that are having these viewing parties that are trying to, you know, ride uh, Andrea Riseborough to a nomination here. Mm-hmm. And it worked, obviously, but this was not a performance that was talked about whatsoever in the lead up throughout the year. So I'm wondering how many people in the acting branch of the Academy actually turn in ballots. I'm wondering how many people you need to, like, have a coup like this happen to affect, like... How many ballots does a name need to show up on in the acting branch to actually affect the Oscar nominees here, these these five? Because I can't imagine more than a couple hundred people were part of these viewing parties that would fill out these ballots like that. I'll tell you what. I think this can only happen in a deep category. And we knew it was top-heavy with Yo and Blanchett definitely getting in. And then we knew, like Best Picture... We've said it all year. I'm I'm pulling receipts on a couple of categories. I'm trying not to pull them on every category, but I have to here. Ten lead actresses Mm -hmm. were having a battle royale. And obviously, Coleman, Robbie, uh, Join, Davis, and Deadweiler, and and Emma Thompson, Mm -hmm. I think, especially of late after getting BAFTA and she got Golden Globes. My guess is like those five added to this five was that – you know, nine or ten, and then Andrea Riseborough comes through with this, with this creative campaign that that did exactly what you're talking about, 
pushing people to watch this movie last minute. And this movie has a really strong message. I should have reviewed to Leslie the last time we were talking about uh, Andrea Riseborough's chances. And it, it really has a strong, wholesome message about recovery addiction from addiction. And it actually made a ton more sense to me and, and with my observational experience of, of family members going through it. It, it made mm. sense. It, it, it felt right. It was very different to, than from what we've seen uh, shown on screen in the past from something like, what was that Ron Howard movie with Glenn Close and, her, and a big suit? What was that stupid movie called? We oh. hated oh. <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, he's now a senator. Uh, uh, oh, God. God, he is, isn't he? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Ah, uh, Mike, it's too early. We do this every episode. <laughs> Keep going. I'll look it up. You have I to look it up look because it up. I, I'm trying to look it up. I have 74 windows open. <laughs> you know how I know it's Oscar nomination morning when I have 74 <laughs> windows open and mo- most of them are filled with spreadsheets. <laughs> All I can think of is Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and I know. That's it. Yep, that's it. Last year, <laughs> two years ago. I, I, obviously, that's not it. <laughs> Elegy. Elegy is in yeah, Hillbilly. Hillbilly Elegy. Thank you. Good Hillbilly job. Elegy. Yeah. Fuck that movie. Oh, whoops. <laughs> there we go. It's not a safe podcast for kids, folks. Five I, minutes to come up with that name just so we could say F that movie. <laughs> I hated that movie with a passion. Yeah, it was bad. It was and, bad. and look, at most of it was because this, it just felt like lies and just. Right. Uh, and, and this movie handled recovery and addiction in a very different way and uh i th- i thought it, that w- that was sensible and it felt felt accurate and this performance was incredible like she's doing all the things it is the most apor- achievement in in lead actress yeah that, that's for sure her, her and Kate blanchett or well anna de Young, obviously they went for the most performances in lead actress this year they went for some big over-the-top performances with williams and Re- riseborough and Diarmas. That that's something else. Uh, that that doesn't always happen. We've seen, you know, we've seen the actors' actors' performance. Mm-hmm. We've seen the subtle performance. We've seen more banshees of Inner Sharon type performances nominated here in the past, and yet these are some big performances. I'm upset for both Daniel Deadweiler. I, I wasn't even crazy about the Deadweiler performance myself, but just to have her and Viola Davis on the outside looking in is not right. It it's a bummer. It's a it's a bummer, yeah. and, and 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 we thought we were getting past all this. We hoped, mm-hmm. and here we are. But all right, mm-hmm. lead actor we had Austin Butler of Elvis, Colin Farrell of Banshees, Brendan Fraser of The Whale, Paul Mescal, the fun inclusion here from After Sun, and Bill Nye of Living. We missed on Tom Cruise. A lot of our friends online were saying that he really didn't campaign very much, so that's probably what we missed there, Michael. You gotta, you gotta shake hands and kiss the babies, I guess. Does Tom Cruise need to campaign for Top Gun, though? I mean, people know who he is. Yeah, but if he, if you don't feel like he's gonna embrace it, someone of that stature who's gonna gain a lot of attention on the red carpet, in and out, maybe, maybe he's upset at the Scientology jokes at his expense, or. <laughs> <laughs> indirectly be, from the Golden Globes. Be a Scientologist would be the uh, what I my advice there. I, how do you feel about Top Gun's uh, best picture chances? Knowing Cruz missed and uh, Kaczynski missed, it's not it's not strong. It's yeah. not as as strong. I still feel like that category is open, and I still feel like in a preferential ballot, Top Gun mm-hmm. uh, can certainly be a player, especially especially when 
it, it feels like there's a lot of galvanized support for the top four, the top three or four films. So Top Gun coming in from the four or five spot, kind of heading into this thing, at least in my brain, still has a chance. But usually you need a acting branch stamp of approval. Right. And they don't have it this year. So that's going to be an exception and not the rule if Top Gun Maverick does draw the straight flush and, and get this thing at the end of the day. I wish I I still I still wish I put money on it at twenty five to one Top Gun a Best Picture, but I'm not sure. I'm not regretting that as much. Uh, look, we knew we had a big four in lead actor that that mm-hmm. fifth spot was up for grabs. No Adam Sandler, sadly. Jeremy Pope, Daniel McCormack, Diego Calva, Daniel Craig, Ray Fiennes, Adam Driver all got nominated. Uh, one of the major precursors on the season. So they are kind of the snubs here today. Yeah, Paul Mescal gets that fifth slot. Um, a lot of people predicted that. I, I am kind of surprised that the... I, I don't even know how to phrase this, but a lot of these slots that were open were filled by the performances and the movies that a lot of people were expecting them to be filled by. Like, I, I feel like if you took a general poll of who was going to be the fifth nominee and lead actor, Paul Mescal for After Sun was going to show up probably more than other names. Yep. And yet it wasn't like, it's not part of a show of strength campaign for a, a best picture leading film as historically has been the case in the Academy with some of these categories. Yeah. Actor though. I mean, we, we reviewed, what was that? Uh, Vincent Van Gogh movie. At Eternity's Gate, thank God yeah. that came into my brain. Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I mean, we, we've ha- we've seen a lot, and it's just the one that jumped to mind. We've seen a lot of one nominees, lone nominees, especially during the pandemic year, I believe it was. Yeah, it usually happens more often in the lead actress category, uh, but uh, at least historically. But we we do see it, and I'm glad this kind of you know came together for Paul Mescal. This this was an awesome performance in a, in, a, in a movie that was very emotional, and he's certainly at the uh, the nexus of, of all that emotionality, if, it, if it's not Frankie Corio, of course, uh, and, and the script, for that matter, Charlotte Wells. But the script played some played some tricks. So I, I, I'm glad that this character is getting this, you know, the, the Academy love as much as anything else. That's fun. This is still a uh, three-headed race for this category, you would say. Well, but again, anytime you got a three-way race, the threshold for the fourth person is less because you're vote sharing in the top three. So again, that's that's why upsets can. Would you happen. like to make the case for Bill Nye to win this category? I would like to make the case for Paul Mescal having a hail Mary's chance, if not okay. slightly better. Maybe it's a hail Mary from the thirty-five yard line. Can we can we say that and try not to? Uh, that's well, that's I mean is that a hell Mary? Is that is it, exactly? So you think he's got that good? He, I mean, you think he Paul Metzger winning this category, mm-hmm. like being up there after the year yeah, of I, Butler, Farrell, and Frazier is going to like not surprise you that you much? You know what? I just been on film Twitter for two and a half hours. You're right. Of course you're right. <laughs> I don't want to take this happy happy tone with you because I know you you do immediately come back at me for it. So yeah, I don't want to be the oh, I've been on film Twitter and I'm also happy for Paul Mescal, which I am. I'm also I am, happy. I, I, for I am too, but I mean he's not. He's it, not. It, all right, it's the forty five yard line. Can we completely? 
can we completely just ruin our chances of building more subscribers and, and making sports analogies while we do Oscar podcasting yes. punditry? Yes. Thank you. That's uh, where uh, we're comfortable. Yeah, it's, it's, it, but it's, and it's not Aaron Rodgers throwing it. Can we say that? Much? All right. Maybe it's Aaron Rodgers now throwing it. It's not old Aaron Rodgers throwing it. You're younger, Aaron. <laughs> okay. Well, we can move on to supporting actress. <laughs> We do have the two from Everything Everywhere, but both do show up, Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue. And Jamie Lee Curtis was on the ball on social media this morning, sharing pictures of her reaction and crying and being all happy, and she is still campaigning her butt off. Good for her. Angela Bassett, the favorite, is here from Wakanda Forever. Hong Chow makes it for the whale. Carrie Condon, who showed up at all the precursors as well, rounds out the categories for our Banshees of Inishiran. We were both right about the six names in play. You were just wrong about Michelle Williams and supporting yeah. actress. But uh, we, we, we I got my, my off the beaten path was Williams and supporting. It should have been Riceboro and lead. That should I should have just. I was trying. I was there for you. You remember that, right? Yeah. I was yeah. there for. I was like, well, you're gonna pick it. Huh? Yeah, I should have done eh? it. Should have poking. Done it. I was poking the bear. Um, I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know I, I wonder if. Uh, I wonder if I used reverse psychology if that would have worked. What if I said there's no way and you just would have thrown you would have thrown something down and said got him right out of spite. The money cuz you would have been you would have been like yeah, do you still have cash in your in your wallet? Like you have a money clip in your pants mm-hmm. when you do have money. This is rare. Yeah. But, no, not not in the way I've been gambling lately. I don't. But yeah, okay, generally. <laughs> so I just picture you just like just like just nudging your butt up in your seat, and your your pockets are coming towards your your waist, and then the money just falls out. That's what I picture. <laughs> and then you look at the money on the ground, and you go, "Why not?" <laughs> well, it's out of my control now, anyway. That's so I right. might as well give it to somebody to bet on. Yeah. Uh, in terms of snubs, Dolly DeLeon, Carrie Mulligan, Janelle Monet, Jesse Buckley, they all had uh, nominations at one of the major precursors. We were hoping for like a Lashana Lynch outside lane, Kiki Palmer, Amy Lou Wood, that that, that had reasonable chances, in, you know, from a BAFTA long list inclusion or a major critics association pick because we knew this was one of the you know deepest battle royales throughout the season that we we really had to see play out over a long period of time but you know kudos to the award season actually working for once because i do feel like this category of supporting actress did compete its way to this five or six names obviously michelle williams getting a lead actress nominee don't you don't you feel like it worked for once this whole thing uh, yeah for the most part certainly i mean this this was kind of survival of the fittest at this point because this category was so like 20 people deep at one point uh and these are the the you know the last remaining survivors and it's the names that kept popping up the most often towards the end so yeah i think the uh the process worked for the most part for one category <laughs> <laughs> hong chow getting the sag and bath she's gonna after. win a uh, an oscar at some point yeah she should she's she's great in that movie uh we will move on to supporting actor where brendan gleason of banshees brian tyree henry of causeway i should i was i said last episode i almost picked i should have that, the David Byrne song, there's so many things that I was on the verge of picking that I changed at the last second. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I suck. Judd Hirsch of the Fable. That's what today's about, of course, is me and my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people talking about their fantasy sports or their pets <laughs> right, being exactly, sick. Exactly. Or, yeah. Nobody but, cares. Nobody. Except for me. It means so much to me. 
<laughs> Barry Keown of Banshees uh, and Kihui Kwan of Everything Everywhere All at Once. But how about my Judd Hirsch pick? I mean, I, I made uh, some good calls from the outside lane. Uh, we could uh, we could ghost high five on Judd Hirsch, no? Your favorite I mean, performance of the year in this category? I li- yeah, I like that he's here because I like Judd Hirsch. And it goes back to, I mean, you you Do you like the Judd lesson. Hirsch, though? I feel like. <laughs> I do. I love Taxi. I might be like the, the youngest okay. person alive who liked the show Taxi because nobody our age knows or remembers it. All right, good. That is the show that every time I speak to my father about television shows, he's like, so have you gotten a Taxi yet? It's It's so good. It's so funny. It's such a good show. But yeah, my uh, my father's like that with Taxi. Like your father is like that with Patton. Pretty much <laughs> every movie conversation I've ever had with your father, which yeah. is like four, mm-hmm. has come back around to Patton. Yeah, that's because that's the last movie he ever watched. So, <laughs> um, Brian Tyree Henry makes it. That's fun to see. Judd Hirsch makes it. You learned the lesson from last year. You you went into our last episode saying that you know. The Kieran Hines, Jamie Dornan thing from Belfast last year kind of reared its head then, and it seemed to rear its head again. This is this branch kind of paying homage to its elders in a way. It it also was a preaching to the choir moment where I think every actor either has had or wishes they had that pep talk given to them. Yeah, by a relative or an acting coach or a, somebody, you know, in their lives, in their right. actual lives, and it was given to a young Steven Spielberg. You so, know, I mean, if he gave me that speech as it comes off in the movie, I would have retired from the industry forever at that point. Well, yeah, it's it's the crossroads moment. It's the uh, you know Tom Hanks from it was, Castaway. It was, it was bad, is my point. It's, it's not good. <laughs> Remember Tom Hanks from Castaway? He's all skinny yeah. at the end of it, and he just <laughs> yeah. comes to that. Fork in the road. Right, right. You know, sometimes movies, they really touch your heart with the metaphor of of everything. Very subtle. Very subtle. And uh, this was one of those moments. But it was well-performed, in my opinion. I know we don't agree on this one. We never will. And uh, I don't know. I I do feel bad for Paul Dano. Yes, he he's put out a lot of uh, good work lately that has not been awarded uh, very often. And uh, so he's he's going to be due. He's going to be the guy that's paid his dues and is overdue. And we're going to we're going to, you know, give him an Oscar nom for the Riddler in uh, the Batman's or whatever they're going to call that. (laughs) The Batman's. Yes. Uh, Worth mentioning, Eddie Redmayne, we said last episode, you have to predict him. I still think you have like we're not wrong. You had to predict him. I'm not upset to see him miss with that performance. I, 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 yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly, and uh, I, I didn't want him to win. Right. I, I didn't want him to win a nomination. Sorry, Eddie. I don't know what spell he's cast over this Academy for so long, but here he is actually getting, you know, I forget the, the word again, but to his detriment, he's not selected. And I, look, I mean, the obvious argument there is it, it, it wasn't being watched by the Academy. Like, the good nurse just didn't have other options that were realistic. I know Jessica Chastain's very good in the movie and she was, but like, why are people putting in that, that screener, but somebody who's beloved and new and who's never gotten nominated before, like a Brian Tyree Henry, we've watched him seemingly work every room at these award shows. Right. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to put that one in Apple. Apple's picked 
you know, some cool little gems, indie gems in, in the recent past. And, you know, Causeway's a good movie, man. We It's kind of, I don't know if it's unprecedented because I didn't do the deep dive research, but the amount of acting performances that got nominated at least three of the major cre- precursors and missed Oscar nomination. I mean, Redmayne with Golden Globe, SAG, and BAFTA, Viola Davis had those three plus, plus Critics' Choice, yeah. Deadweiler as well. I mean, it's kind of crazy at how many people got nominated at at least three of the major precursors that missed Oscar nomination. Yeah, it happens sometimes. It's it's wild. It's it, it, Look, I mean, we did a conservative slant and tilt to our predictions, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's deliberate because i don't want to look like a complete pants down fool (laughs) i try not i try to live my life and that's why i'm not a gambler right you know but you're you're butt necky i sleep like winnie the pooh winnie the pooin (laughs) winnie the pooin for all the scene now because you're more of a gambler right right and i can't afford pants at this point because i am a gambler (laughs) i picture you in a barrel uh basically begging (laughs) begging carnival Owners for a I, job. <laughs> How do people live in barrels, by the way? That couldn't have been comfortable. <laughs> how do you imagine? Sit? Imagine how many naked ancestors of ours <laughs> had to lose their shirt in a poker game yeah. and go like a hermit crab over mm-hmm. to the next shell, which was a barrel. How many of our ancestors had to do this to where it was in every cartoon that we ever watched growing up from WB? Where did the cartoons get these ideas, too? Where well, that's like what I'm asking. That, right. That half, like quicksand was supposed to be a major problem in our life, but how much they were portrayed in cartoons. Like every cartoon had the same ideas, the barrel. Yeah. I don't I don't, I don't know where they came from. The leaf over the genitals mm-hmm. was, was bef- mm-hmm. the pre uh, precursor to the barrel. And now mm-hmm. we got the barrel. I don't know what the uh, equivalent is now. It's still the barrel. I, I would be. It would wreck havoc on my back having to live in one of those. <laughs> the ridiculous rants in this episode. <laughs> Let's move on to the screenplay categories. I don't feel like talking about the snubs and supporting actor. Maybe Al Albrick Shook. Uh, I'll talk about him. Woody Harrelson. I'm glad Elvis Brad Pitt did not get nominated. Sorry, Scott. Uh, Michael Ward had a chance. Maybe from BAFTA. Ben Wishaw. Did not get the lone acting nomination, I suppose, from Women women Talking. That's probably a This bull, felt like a film dodge. that was seven deep. Okay. Right? I mean, yeah. they got five, and you, uh, you had to predict Eddie Redmayne, even though he didn't get here, and Paul Dano. I mean, you could talk about Pitt being an eighth, but this felt like a field that was like seven deep. Cool. All right. Let's finally transition to original screenplay. The Banshees of Inna Sharon, written by Martin McDonough. We have Everything Everywhere All at Once, written by the Daniels. Those are the big two that we've been talking about for a while. We also predicted The Fablemans, written by Spielberg and Kushner. Tar, written by Todd Field, is here. (laughs) Imagine if Todd Field takes off his hat and it's just like ratatouille. (laughs) (laughs) that that got me that's a good one thank you triangle of sadness which i should be able to pronounce uh written by ruben oslin so i was five for five here and you unfortunately picked elvis but uh, i I have an explanation for everything i was wrong on i thought the academy (laughs) would be higher on elvis and lower on triangle of sadness and there's your explanation i had elvis here i didn't have triangle of sadness anywhere triangle of sadness was 
everywhere except the one place it should have been, which is supporting actress, I guess. Or not should have been, but you would expect it to be. Exactly. Otherwise, bummer to uh, Charlotte Wells. I wish she could have, like, broke through here from After Sun. That would have been really cool. I was rooting for her, and I, obviously it didn't show up immediately, so I was bummed. Uh, decision to leave, the menu, those are kind of, you know, my uh, fist in the air you know, dark horses, but mm-hmm. uh, this this was another category that seemed fairly well situated, at least four out of the five, and then we, we were kind of figuring out that fifth nom. Like he's up there accepting an award and he takes his hat off and there's just a rat controlling it. Can you imagine the pandemonium that would happen and people just shrieking? I just rewatched, uh, just rewatched Everything Everywhere All at Once, and I mm-hmm. laughed harder at the final, you know... <laughs> movement of that uh, right. <laughs> running joke because whatever reason it did it wasn't the beating of the dead horse and the last part of it got me where she's like but you have to rescue that raccoon <laughs> <laughs> and then they did that's great all right adapted screenplay we said going in like we wouldn't be surprised if we went over five yep we did not go over five but close uh, <laughs> yeah we could have done better uh well i went four for five here anyway yeah. All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick, which was our No Guts, No Glory pick here that we did get right, both of us, and Women Talking by Sarah Polly. Thank God we got Women Talking in here. That would have been, oh my God, that would have been a a snub. I'm happy to see Women Talking show up here. Um, I'm happy to see All Quiet show up here as well. I still don't know what the leader in this category is. Mm. I didn't pick Living because I didn't think enough people would have seen it, but Living gets in not only here and in lead actor, but it, it had three nominations on the day, right? Living had the two. Was it just two? Uh, hold on. Got to scroll back up. Yeah, just the two. Okay, so. just the two. I thought I had one more. Um, but because of I mean, because it only had these two categories, I kind of thought that it may not get high in the screener pile, but it's a player here. Yeah, it's 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 certainly a player. It's a good adaptation of a book we all had to read in ninth grade, tenth grade maybe, and then to see it adapted twice by Kurosawa. And now, uh, I tell you what, the director of Living, I gotta look up his name again. He's made some good movies, and I'm glad he's kind of getting some some love here. He didn't write the screenplay. His name is Oliver Hermanus, and that guy, he could direct. He could direct a motion picture. So I'm glad to see Living get some love in that regard. Sorry, Scott Yeager. I, I did like that movie, and I'm a coward for not saying so last night. But I do <laughs> – but I watched it at Sundance, which I'm about to you know dive headlong into. And I'm not going to sleep this next week because of all the Sundance uh, movies I have crazy. to watch. Yeah. 28. What am I doing? What am I doing to myself? Anyway, Living was a standout. It was a standout because it was, it was well put together, and Sony Pictures Classic swooped it up and – you know, it's a, a timeless story, so that 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 makes some sense. Glass Onion and Knives Out mis- Mystery is the one I'm kicking myself for because pundits had it situated all year, and I had it situated all year in my adapted screenplay five, and I got, I talked myself out of it. I, I wanted I wanted to blame you there, but I, I didn't. But she, no, you could go ahead. I, I, mean, I, I got I, talked I, out of it by you somehow. That's what yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm sticking to that story. Otherwise, we were. Wishful in our thinking for she said, I suppose, because Marie Schrader could have gotten that. Hey, she's breaking in. Well, it got the USC, right? Not Marie didn't, didn't she said Landis yeah. Scripter? Well, 
she said was Rebecca Linkowitz, but uh, you know they, they could have gotten the breakthrough. Yeah, USC, BAFTA, it did show up. We we right. weren't just so. wishful thinking, but it's it is a bummer. Otherwise, the whale. A lot of people were predicting the whale, Pinocchio, an adapted screenplay, even the Quiet Girl, which got uh, the BAFTA nom at the end of the day, could have been in here. So uh, definitely. A strange year for adapted screenplay. The WGA noms coming out after today. We were flying, you know, blind to an extent with these screenplay nom uh, categories. You know, like what do you editing. think is the leader? Man, I, I I would hope Women Talking still because it won the choice, but I'm really not sure if if it's gonna be Top Gun's day, then Top Gun's gotta win here, no. If it's going to be a, a good, strong day for All Quiet on the Western Front, that's another book we all had to read in, in ninth grade English class. You know, I could totally see that happening. I think it's a wide open category. This is probably a category you want to bet on, huh? Hot market? It's got to be. I, that's what I, I just looked up and they don't have the odds posted yet, but it's got to be relatively close between all five, of the, at least four of the five, I would think. <laughs> that's when you know you have a problem. <laughs> you're betting on adapted screenplay, and you're betting heavy. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick and Glass Onion being big-name movies with All Quiet on the Western Front surging in its, it's, in its accessibility. Weird, yeah, it's a weird time for the Academy. This is a very un-historically Oscars-type layout with these five. Yeah, no, odds makers got to be... Got to be happy about that one. Let's move uh, on to animated feature. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, <laughs> Turning Red are your five nominees. The Sea Beast is a cool nominee. I'm glad that happened. That was one of my favorite Is that the one that Andrew, Mor- Andrew Morgan was trying to tell us about what happened? No, he was trying to tell us about my father's dragon, so okay. he gets zero credit here. Oh, uh, how gosh. dare you bring him up? <laughs> I'm not sorry, Andrew. Uh-huh. No, the Sea Beast was my hankering all year, and yet it showed up uh, nowhere but the Annies, and I should have had the courage just to say, hey, that movie was awesome, and I should have just picked it. Uh, Pedro also <laughs> tweeted out this morning, he's like, my son. <laughs> he's like, my son loved that movie. I should have went. <laughs> this is how you know <laughs> we're all in this too much. He's yeah, like, my is- son just has the greatest taste in animated features. There you go. Well, we got to listen to Pedro's son for next year. That's, that's the <laughs> lesson I, I learned just that I tweeted. I, that fifth nominee spot, yeah. you could have spun a wheel and it could have right. landed anywhere. Just like with kind of lead actor, except I think there would have been more. You could have told me, you know, if you wanted to make the case for anything from like Apollo ten and a half to sure Richard the Linklater. bad guys to yeah. Lightyear yeah you I mean there was a billion different names that you could have made a, a decent case for to have that fifth nominee and NUO got the Globe nom yeah. Wendell and Wild got the Choice nom both did you know both showed up at the Annies but it, it was it was hard to predict I I, I glad I'm glad something good got in here and this is this is a strong five. A very strong sure. five in animated feature. I, I agree with Guillermo del, Guillermo del Toro's sentiments. Animation is cinema. And he can't say that enough because that man... I mean, he, he has got a poster for his campaign for Oscar. That's a poster-worthy saying that he's said at every single award show now. And, and that's why he's going to win this category. I'm going to start naming prices. You tell me when you wouldn't pay that amount for a Guillermo del Toro poster. $20. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> keep going 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love a Guillermo del Toro poster. I mean, that, that dude was one of the first Q&As I sat in as a student for Pan's Labyrinth that I was just transfixed. And I didn't know it then, but I know it now. That's probably why I'm I'm doing this with you. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, he, that we guy said last talking, episode, he should be the president of everything. You're right. That guy talking about movies, there's nothing better. Absolutely. I co-signed that. And I went with you. This is a, a fun category. I mean, these are five. Usually we get like one off the beaten path for animated feature. These are five relative hits, I would say, even though there's a decent amount of streaming representation. So there's not a lot of box office numbers to back this up with. Well, Turning Red is probably a hit on Disney Plus. Right. B- based on a lot of... Uh, a lot of pundits and, and what they're saying about the Disney Plus effect and how, how its subscriber number has grown, etc. And then Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, it was a hit at the festivals. I do, it's a hit with film Twitter. I do wonder if it's done well on VOD because that's a movie that really was a blip in theaters that has not been, got, that didn't get attention for like four months of the year. It came out in the spring, which is typical for animated feature, but I was wondering... If, if that would have the legs. Otherwise, Puss in Boots is a hit right now. It's done yeah. over like $300 million at the box office, just slowly but surely adding box office dollars through that quick Christmas holiday window there. Yeah, and then CBS, uh, which is a Netflix play game, with Taurus Pinocchio, Netflix play as well for those two. Let's move on. Let's talk about International Feature, which has to have a, a favorite in All Quiet on the Western Front right now. Uh Argentina 1985, Close, EO, and The Quiet Girl round out the category. The Quiet Girl is something everybody but us predicted. Why didn't we just go with film we're Twitter? Dumb. We're stubborn. We're stupid. Stubborn. <laughs> we're stubborn. And I can have went... a lot more negative adjectives if you want me to keep going. <laughs> Golden Globe, Critics' Choice, BAFTA nominee, Decision to Leave, Top 10, also Mike, Film of the Year, of it's, all, like, I would have yeah. taken out Close before I took out Decision to Leave, no? Yeah, of course. Of course. I, like, like Park Chan work does, does, should have been in the directing cat of conversation. Never right. mind, that movie should be a given an international feature. We definitely got fooled there. But yeah. this is another very strong category that has been proving as much because All Quiet on the Western Front, as strong as it's played at both academies on both sides of the... Uh, uh, of the uh, Atlantic Ocean right now, All Quiet on the Western Front has not been winning all season. It just has yeah. not been doing so. Argentina 1985 won the Globe. We had RRR win the Choice. We had uh, Decision to Leave win a couple, uh, or more than a couple, 12 wins on the season last I checked. Mike, we've had we've had a category that's been spread out that is probably, well, let's say almost definitely galvanizing support for one movie to make this less, much less of a race, I'd say. I, I, I'd agree with your first point there. All Quiet's winning, most likely. I would think it's, I mean, just not based on the representation it had all throughout the uh, nomination day today, that's probably a wrap for this category. But EO coming in from an outside lane is, is a fun inclusion here. I, I trekked all the way to New York City to see that one. People I'm never, love Nelly. Never eating salami again. I, and and you're right. I think Nelly's back to back inside jokes there. That career as we talk past each other. <laughs> Nelly's career peaked when we were still dancing at clubs. It's no? true. Well, clubs. <laughs> I mean, I remember. I remember EI coming out in like middle school dances for me. I don't know about clubs. I'm a little older than you. Well, not that much older. 
Well, maybe I was a Billy Idol song, just imagining my own club like uh, like an after sun memory. Anyway, Michael, we got to move on to documentary feature. All That Breathes, All the Beauty in the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny are your five nominees. So four of the big five made it in terms of the resumes that we were talking about. Uh, four of my five. A House Made of Splinters... I've had so many opportunities to see this thing. That feels like a very documentary feature pick because it's not a lot of uh, resume for a house made of splinters, but it was something that uh, a lot of the pundits were saying had support. It did show up at Spirit, EFA, one at Sundance from the gu- from the jump. So a house made of splinters, yet another you know legacy pick from the Sundance Film Festival. Sounds like an uncomfortable living situation, house made of splinters. Uh, do you want to give a eulogy for Moonage Daydream here? Moonage like spillage and cabbage? Yeah, that's how you've been pronouncing it all year, and I've just given in. <laughs> it's a Moonage Daydream. It goes from I being a, what could have been a, comp, a competitor, and a lot of mm-hmm. people were expecting it in multiple categories, to not even making Doc Feature here. Well, people say it's because this branch has had a, a strained relationship with the director, whose name is escaping me for a moment. It is... Who's the director of Cabbage Daydream? Brett Morgan. <laughs> Brett Morgan. Thanks for that dad joke in the middle of, of my pause. <laughs> uh, Brett Morgan, montage of heck, kind of nails on the chalkboard audio in some of his films, made an absolute crowd pleaser here that has led the year in terms of documentary feature box office. I wonder... If there's a little jealousy from this branch, I wonder if there's also a fear of nominating it because everybody would just pick it because it's like Bohemian Rhapsody to the HFPA, man. Once this thing gets to the whole body, because remember, everybody votes on everything at the mm-hmm. at the at the at the winner's stage of the the Academy voting. We've seen films that maybe the documentary feature would have been happy as a nom end up winning the documentary feature category, and that's burned them in the past, I think, mm. according to them. Could be. I mean, there's there's definitely... You're, you're wearing your tinfoil hat more than I am right now, so that's that's something that I could absolutely agree with, even though I wonder how much validity there is to, to that idea. Like, let's keep it... It seems like there would be a lot of groupthink attached to that. Let's keep it off the nomination because we don't want it to be a representative of our particular branch. Yeah, like all the beauty in the bloodshed. Yeah, that's been popular all year, starting at Venice. But there's, you know, there's a lot of full frontal nudity. There's a lot. There's like multiple journalistic endeavors going on. Oh yeah. There's there's things that I think that branch can get behind in droves and say, all right, if that wins, we're good. We're still good. Fire of Love. You know, you got. I mean, you got a big hit. Yes, on Disney Plus from Sundance, but you have a unique. type of cinematography there uniquely well filmed uh and obviously it's just this Jacques Cousteau level of archival footage that nobody's you know unearthed for a while Mm. being edited 
into the, into that into that movie. Navalny, you got that journalistic endeavor. All that breathes, you got that journalistic endeavor. I haven't seen a house made of splinters yet, like I said. So the, the, the nominees make sense. I would say it's it's a bummer. Descendant, retrograde. It's a bummer. Bad acts. You know, there was a very competitive year in documentary feature. The territory was another good one. The Janes. I, I really liked a lot of films on this short list in doc feature and uh, you know, not everything can get nominated. So it was a, it was a hot race. I still don't respect that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just had to get that in at the end. Let's move on to original score. Uh, I'm joking. Obviously I'm joking about that, but they have, they're better this year and last year. They're, they're on their way to reforming. I think. They opinion. made more sense than some yes. of these other Oscar categories. Yes, they went I with, with four that. of the five hugest resumes. I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. And they, they showed their uh, penchant for being independent thinkers because they didn't just default to the Obama project either, which I kind of, even though I picked it, I kind of like that. That's a um, first first miss for yeah. higher ground productions. Anyway, we'll go to original score. I am kicking myself. All Quiet on the Western Front is one of the best scores of the year because uh-huh. it was like, it was a character in its own movie. It let you know whenever that thumping was coming that something bad was on the uh, the horizon there. I should I don't know why I didn't think of it or pick it, but anyway, it does show up in the original score, which I'm happy about. Babylon does as well. Banshees of Inishirin, which you picked, I was stubborn against. Uh, that shows up here. Everything everywhere shows up, and the Fablemans rounds out the category. Yeah, we're a little bum that women talking hilder is not in this yeah. mix and that was Surprise. an easy spot for women talking to boost its resume it was showing up uh at the critics choice golden globes which it's not always easy to get nominated at both of those and uh, women talking snub today guillermo del toro's pinocchio from uh mr Desplat. Mm. which I, I i believe is the incorrect pronunciation and <laughs> uh, of course you know former winner uh, from Wakanda Forever, uh, Garanson. I should have wrote down the names here, but Hurwitz, Burwell, and I know John Williams are three of the five. Uh, otherwise, uh, all quite on the Western Front, man. You're you're absolutely a hundred percent right. I think I was fearing, I was fearing too many nominations. <laughs> for all quiet and i just avoided it here and i should not have i should not have and neither should you but volker bartleman's score should have been uh something that we mentioned uh, that we predicted and son Lu- son lux did everything everywhere all at once a score and uh and he's part of that uh original song trio that that got nominated as well from everything everywhere so two nominees for son lux on the day. How about that, Mike? That, that is crazy. And I mean, everything everywhere score isn't necessarily something that was setting, you know, the resume path on fire. Mm-hmm. It was, you did land BAFTA. It had one of the guilds, but I, I, you know, I don't know that it was, it was on the bubble, I think. So I don't know if this is a show of strength for everything everywhere. Or if this is just a, an independent, like you said, it's, it's a multiple time nominee in this, uh, for this one, uh, one guy anyway. So I, I, I don't know what to make of that. It's a hard category to predict because the Society of uh, Composers and Lyricists is the big guild, but they have a lot of nominations. And the Critics' Choice and Golden Globe nominations aren't trustworthy because there's no crossover. So, again, to give people some inside baseball, this could have gone any which direction. I mean, don't worry, darling. Nope, got guild noms uh, as well. We had... uh, you know, We had Pinocchio that seemed to have all the nominations from everywhere, and then we had Pundits picking avatar like feinberg was picking avatar 
for this category to come off, you know, from the outside lane. So we, we didn't we didn't know it was this was a tough category to predict. Should but, just um, trust my ears because All Quiet was one of the best. Babylon was one of the yes. best. Banshees was one of the best, and I just didn't trust my ears. I'm, you know I, what? You're I'm, right. You're 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 right. Your ears were right, yeah. and we 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 kind of we half said it. We half said it. We half predicted it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't anyway. like myself right now. Original song. <laughs> Applause. You, you are, I don't know what kind of grudge you have against poor Diane Warren here to make her come to another Academy Awards event and not win, but she does get nominated for Tell It Like a Woman, uh, the song Applause for the movie Tell It Like a Woman, uh, her and Sophia Carson. Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick for Lady Gaga is here. Lift Me Up, Black Panther, that's Rihanna's song for Wakanda Forever. Natu Natu, which has won the most recently for RRR. And this is a life. The David Byrne song from Everything Everywhere All at Once makes it here. Sing three notes of This Is a Life, please. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> like I would I would make up shit and I would sing it like a talking I just, head song. But I said I'm so dumb. Like David Byrne in the last two weeks especially was showing up to a lot of places yeah. for no reason other than the campaign, which is not a David Byrne thing to do. And I should have I, I made note of it and I didn't pick it. I noticed it on my rewatch of Everything Everywhere last night, but I, that was the first time I noticed it. It took me my third watch. It was playing over the credits, and it was, you know, it's a, it's a good song. It's, it is a good song, so I, I get why it's here. I'm just, yeah, I'm surprised. They had an opportunity to play songs that were actually in the body of each one of these movies, right? Plus Diane Warren. But they're always they're always going to nominate Diane Warren. And when I saw that, this was the one pick I actually changed during yeah. our podcast on yeah. the Oscar noms. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> they picked her from that friggin' uh, Glenn Close Four Days or whatever. Yeah. Four, oh, my God, movie that nobody saw. They're, they're going to pick her again. They always pick her. And this they poor picked her again. Woman. This poor, poor woman. <laughs> I like, think, I'm sure it's an honor. I'm sure she loves yeah. going, but it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> That's why I mentioned her in the agony and the ecstasy sections of my tweet. <laughs> but no no Taylor Swift, uh, no white noise LCD sound system, new body rumba, which is a bummer. Um, Andrew and I will have to just play it while we the do two groceries. Of you should perform that, yeah. We should, we should, yeah. and we could. We we certainly could <laughs> do that. Uh, My mind and me, Selena Gomez. Some people were picking that. Uh, a man called Otto had a Rita Wilson song, "Till You're Home." A lot of people were picking that. I mean, obviously, we have a short list to go on. I think a fun song like Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell and Spirited's "Good Afternoon" could have shown up. Uh, you know, you have more. You know, you have more moving songs like a Till or a, you know, Dust and Ash song or whatever, but. This category had some big names that still got in, Mike. I mean, Rihanna and Lady Gaga are in it. I think you got a, a Cinderella kind of uh, pick with Natu Natu that's built its resume somehow throughout season, the season. That uh, you, you know you could you can have a fun winner of this category no matter how you slice it. I would say, right? Yeah, for 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 sure. And I, if you get all these performed live or on a pre-tape or however they're going to handle it. I mean, it's still appointment viewing. You're going to have some big names be playing there. And it's the big name thing that I thought was going to be, uh, you know, I, I'm surprised they were able to resist the allure of uh, Taylor Swift here. Because, mm. I mean, if Taylor Swift performs at the Oscars, you know you're going to get people tuning in. That's going to be instant ratings. It's another song where I could not sing a note if I tried. <laughs> and I've probably heard it 14 times. 
just I could not. I just it leaves my brain. It's just, just start I, singing love story. And I assume it's that. I have a memory for some things. Oh. I don't have any recall for others. We'll move on to film editing. The Banshees of Inna Sharon. Uh, Mikael E. G. Nielsen, the editor there. Elvis, Matt Villa, and Jonathan Redman. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once by Paul Rogers. Tar from Monica Wheely. Uh, and Top Gun Maverick from Eddie Hamilton are your nominees. You know, we missed we missed Fablemans and Avatar here. We don't have the Ace Eddies to kind of help us. That was always a cheat sheet because yeah. the Ace Eddies, the Guild, they're very accurate. And the Ace Eddie nominees don't come out uh, for, I think, till next week, Michael. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened with the calendar this year, but it was uh, shaken up for sure. Show of strength for Tar here. And mm. I good for this for the film editing branch for eschewing avatar it's it's a wild pick of tar i gotta rewatch that movie now it's coming on peacock next week which i'm pretty psyched about uh but tar has some long i want to say oneers but at least they have well, that it de- long... it definitely i mean that's what it's known it absolutely has tracking long long tracking shots but it also has these wild montages so you know what? It makes some sense. In retrospect, yeah. it makes a lot more sense than we initially gave it credit for. And it did Banshees get a critical I'm surprised choice. by. I'm less surprised mm. by Tar in terms of like how it, the technique shows on film than I am by Banshees. Banshees is kind of that industry insider pick. And and when, when I say I mean I would say an indie, industry professional pick. So they had to they had to just watch that the editing branch and be like, Oh, this is pitch perfect. That's right. right th- that's, that's right at the right moment that this cut and this works. And, you know, they had to know that uh, the composition of the Banshees of Inishirin was to their liking uh, based on, I would say, you know, professional uh, jealousy. In many cases, well, Right. No, I, I think there's something to that. I'm also just, you know, trying to rationalize for where our brains are. Where, Jealousy is a word that I used because I've I am pissed that I didn't pick it. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> to rationalize where our brains are. <laughs> Freudian thing. Um, I also, I mean, is editing to oversimplify this completely? The movies we had trouble with story wise this year: the Avatars, the Fablemans. Yeah. The ones we enjoyed more than them. The ones we thought were well structured. Huh. Banshees. Elvis, which was, uh, you know, just madness, but because it was madness that was coherently told, we gave it a lot of credit for. Yeah. Tar, those all show up here. So I like are where we, you're going. Right? Right? Is this another one where we're the trendsetters? We are vindicated. <laughs> we have spoken. <laughs> I mean, the... the the only, I mean, everything, everywhere, which is like, right? I don't know. Am I, am I, this is total I love, post hoc rationalization. Best, this is the best point you've ever made on this podcast. <laughs> I agree that we agree Good. with this category Good. from months Good. back. Good. And we should have stuck to our guns. Well, we should have stuck. Something, it's going to be something to keep an eye on going forward. Because if we think there's coherence to a film. Maybe yeah. where we should we have historically given that credit to directing and screenplay, we should give it a lot more credit to editing. We should have we should have totally in this category and then maybe the you know original score category, like you said, we should have gone right. more taste. And I, I did that up up and down the card where I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm just gonna go with what I think they're gonna pick because I liked it. Mm. And we've done more of that in the past. Maybe I did more of that last year when I got 89 out of 105. 
and I beat you some gotta, of the you best keep pundits. That up. I, just, I gotta keep bringing you it were, up. You were last only, year was. I mean, you were. I'm I was fine. on a heater. Yeah, I was on a heater last year. You, you got eighty nine. I was smart. I would have bet on your picks last year, but I. But didn't. you bet on my picks this year. You like. Right. <laughs> I did. And, and I it didn't t- even work. I still did substantially worse than you. <laughs> and I took you down the wrong path. <laughs> Absolutely. S- sound design is up next. All quiet, no surprise, uh, gets in here. Avatar, the way of water. I will not understand that until the day I die, but it does show up. The Batman, Elvis, and Top Gun Maverick round out the sound design category here. So everything, everywhere, all at once. We both predicted it. It's not here. There's some jarring sounds in that design i would say so that makes some some sense to me that would okay. be nails on a chalkboard there's a lot of big i mean it's not the skinnamarink in terms of <laughs> audible discomfort but yeah. it certain is certainly is some my god i can't the, the one of our biggest podcasts of the year and i gotta reference the skinnamarink skinnamarink <laughs> anyway batman and avatar like we both went off the path to pick two films or to pick a film and we both got got those you know, I'm those, trying to. What did, right. what did we miss? So we missed missed everything everywhere, and then your what fifth made, pick got in. But what made in over? Well, we both picked Top Gun, Elvis, and All Quiet. Collectively, we nailed all five. Is that what happened? Collectively, all right. We we got we got everything right. We like this restaurant. <laughs> we like this movie, didn't we? We like we like that restaurant, right? We're we're speaking to other people like this. We do this all the time. I go to I go to parties, family uh-huh. gatherings, and I speak to other people like, oh, but we like Babylon. You didn't like the sex dungeon? The forty minute sex dungeon sequence? But we we liked it. Uh-huh. And they just they just look at me and stare. You can always tell when we've passed the one hour mark too. <laughs> production design, Michael. We have to get into production design. Yeah. All quiet on the Western Front. They built the trenches. Yeah, we both should be. Yeah, Avatar: The Way of Water. They built the models. <laughs> they built the green screen. <laughs> Babylon. They rebuilt old Hollywood. Yeah. Elvis is a cool pick. They built the that scaffolding is. for the TV show. They built a lot of cool stuff in, in Elvis. They built the Vegas set. Uh, I think I don't know. Maybe they did. Anyway, the Fablemans. We should have recognized that just like they built Al- Al- Alfonso Cuarón's childhood, they built the Fablemans and Steven Spielberg's entire childhood in this movie. Right? I'm gonna need someone to tell me why the Fablemans is a more impressive production design than Wakanda Forever or Glass Onion. Yeah, those were our misses, and uh, I just look at I. I'm pretty sure. All right, now we got to look up. I thought Alfonso Cuarón's Roma got production design. Now I forget, but I better check myself first. I mean, did Wakanda Forever not get here because its underwater sequences weren't as lush as Avatar's? Is that what happened? Why is Avatar here and Wakanda's not? You asked that a lot throughout our predictions episode. And yes, I am also correct. To answer your question, I'm also correct that... uh, Eugenio Caballero and Barbara Enriquez got nominated for production design for Roma. So I'm glad we're finally at the point where we're talking past each other in our <laughs> dueling analysis. No, I, I agree with you. I thought Wakanda Forever, they had all the underwater stuff as well as 
Wakanda, which they I mean, got it wasn't as expansive. For. Wakanda Forever wasn't as expansive. We made that point when we were reviewing the movie. But it's better than a living room that Steven Spielberg <laughs> may or may not have lived in. But if he really lived in it, wouldn't he call it the Spielbergs? Mm-hmm. Huh? Production design branch? <laughs> Taking, <There's>... our... <laughs> Taking our anger out on the niche categories. <laughs> Answer me. (laughs) Well, talk about a niche category that we were just totally lost in. Cinematography, we were lost. All Quiet on the Western Front from James Friend. Cinematography uh, of Bardo, Darius Kanji that David Long predicted uh, back when he was on our pod. Uh, Elvis's Mandy Walker gets nominated here. Empire of Light, Roger Deakins. uh, And Florian Hoffmeister of Tar. I should have known the freaking gold frog. Yeah. I was text. I was friggin' DMing people. I'm like, wait a minute. Cinematography has more that we could go on. I gotta remember who won the gold frog. Tar won the gold frog. Why didn't I go with the freaking frog? It was gold. I didn't go with it. Put that on your headstone. Why didn't I go with the freaking frog? <laughs> um, I, I, I. Yeah, I'm. I'm fine. Not knowing anything about this category. Well, I mean, I picked was... the Fablemans because out of a show of strength. Yeah. For the Fablemans, because I thought it would just be better represented throughout. You had Empire of Light. Roger Deakins makes it here. Top Gun is a huge miss, Mike. Huge. That's that's yeah, like that's, that's a good point. That's a good. Point. That that was leading in terms yeah. of the Critics Association wins all year. Twenty five wins. Yeah, it won the critics that. won the Critics Choice. It also got the Guild, the AS, ASC, and the BAFTA. So that is this is perhaps what holds Top Gun back because Top Gun was going to be the front runner in editing sound and cinematography. Yeah. And now it can only be the front runner in two of those perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, so this point. is a major, major miss for Especially Top Gun. when it misses in lieu of something that's doesn't show up anywhere else like Bardo. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. kudos to that branch. They went with their, they went with some off the beaten path picks here for cinematography. God, I wish the Academy would, I mean, you don't even have to let us know how many people voted. Or return their ballots, but let us know the percentages. Let us know how many, or at least you know, let us know something about who's voting here. I think uh, I I could foresee some issues with that, but it'll never happen. No, that never happened. It may happen, like maybe they'll show it like two years later. Right. But then are you still kicking people in the pants? Like, yeah. oh, you barely got nominated. They, I don't think they do it. It's just yeah, a bad I don't look. Think so either, I agree. I agree. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Let's move on to makeup and hairstyling. All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. Some major prosthetics that we knew were going to get nominated from The Whale, The Batman, and, uh, well, Elvis, for that matter. Those three. And then we had some really cool costumes in Black Panther, again, from the Atlanteans. And we, we had a lot of... We had a lot, a lot of makeup and hair from from a war movie and all quiet on the Western Front. I'm uh, very happy to see that. Makes sense. A lot of, I mean, I'm I'm glad that the makeup and hair guild is can shows that they can go towards you know war makeup and blood and mud and gunk rather than just purely sticking with prosthetics and hairstyles and stuff like that. I wonder if Elvis is going to win again, like it won at Critics Choice, because there's both prosthetics and a lot of cool Elvis. They did slash great with the hair in that movie. Hairstyle. I mean, not yeah. not only Elvis's, but 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 uh his his wife's there and yeah, they did great. 
it's such an achievement in both. But then again, the whale is such an incredible achievement on the one half of that. Yeah. In terms of the category. All right. Well, this is uh this is finishing up. We'll move on to costume design where we had Babylon's Mary Zofrez get nominated. Excuse me on the pro- pronunciation. Maybe it's uh, a Greek pronunciation, Zofries. Hmm. Uh Black Panther Black Panther Wakanda Forever's Ruthie Carter. Happy to see her there. Elvis's Catherine Martin. She's a regular as well in costumes and everything everywhere all at once is Shirley Carada with uh, Mrs. Harris going to Paris. Jenny Bevan, Bevan, getting nominated. I should know her name because uh, and the pronunciation. She's nominated a lot as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, you had Mrs. Harris. I said that was right. It was going to be nominated. I just couldn't do it out of obstinance. <laughs> you are obstinate to your detriment <laughs> often. But yeah, uh-huh. Jenny, Jenny Bevan's won three Oscars. You have Catherine Martin, Oscar nominated many times before. Uh, Ruth, Ruth Carter winning before. This is a... This is a, a loaded category. Hall of Fame year for costume design. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in terms of some snubs, like the Woman King, Gersha Phillips, we were rooting for her. I will not understand how that doesn't get either hair and makeup or costume. I don't I don't get it. It's a bummer. Uh, you know, Avatar, of course, you were rooting for Avatar. What else? No. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. <laughs> Thor, Love and Thunder would have been a cool pick. I was sure. kind of I was looking through my doc this morning. I was like, what's going to surprise me? And I was like, ah, nothing, because I've done this for a year <laughs> around the clock. No, but I, Thor, Love and Thunder was something that jumped out to me. But no, of course not in costume design. Let's let's uh, finish. Well, we're, we're getting close to the finish. We'll talk about the shorts briefly, but visual effects, Michael. All Quiet on the Western Front is here. Avatar, The Way of Water, that's shocking. The Batman, Black Panther, and Top Gun Maverick all do show up. Uh, So they did default to some practical effects, but maybe not more practical effects than we're used to with the likes of Black Panther here and Avatar, obviously. I'm pretty sure they actually threw that flaming car uh, at the Batmobile and... (laughs) In midair, it kind of ran through it. I think you're right about that. I th- yeah. Obviously, Top Gun Maverick, a lot of practical effects. Obviously, All Quiet on the Western Front, a lot of practical effects. But I think the whole effect of it is when you don't know. And maybe they know in the branch. Maybe we don't. Right. I, don't I don't know. I think uh, Black Panther, it's cool because there's a lot of fight choreography in that one. And maybe this category, when we actually get a stunt ensemble. That's funny because that's what, Oscar. I, was th- that's what I was thinking for the Batman, why it's here. But visual effects is very much like a combo category, I feel, sometimes. And that, that that's why. Like, you have you have a lot of stunts and visual effects, and you have a lot of stunts and, and visual effects in a couple of these blockbusters, for sure. But uh, th- this, this makes some sense. I, I picked this five. Uh, I'm glad. At the end of the day, I'm glad this, th- th- they got nominated. I mean, to me, like, nope. Nope had some of the best visual effects on the year yeah. in, on the big screen. Nope. Nope does, being nope getting shut out is a shame. But I here's the problem with nope. nope. Like what's so incredible about Nope is watching that, you know, UFO on the big screen. When you watch it at home, when I've watched where you watched Nope on, on Peacock, it looks terrible. Mm. It's really a big screen experience only. Mm. Good point. Um, I also wanted to make note, not a lot of single nom movies showing up in the tech categories. I mean, Bardo's there, Mrs. Harris is there, 
But for the most part, a lot of, you know, from production design, cinematography, makeup and hair, costume and VFX, it's a lot of show of strength categories. Yeah. You know, and that's what you were predicting kind of going into the day. You're like, I got the same movies nominated down the card. And that actually kind of played out. Uh, we We typically in the past would see films that just have one nominee. Suicide Squad, baby! Right, in VFX, but not the case necessarily this year. Like, we could, in a, in a past year, we could have seen that, you know, I mean, they had that stupid baby deer. Bambi picked the ruler of the world here to forthwith in Fantastic Beasts, because of course it did. <laughs> like, the wizarding ruler would get picked by a fawn. Right. And they, I mean, look, they animated the shit out of it. Good for them. I mean, it made sense. <laughs> Jurassic World had... As I knock over a lamp and almost, almost the lamp almost went into the garbage, which then fell at my feet. But I, I don't we, think we that have. Happened. It's been a while since we had a good glass shattering effect on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a funny blooper. Uh, again, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, VFX, VFX went uh, went went more chalk than I I, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I picked the likes of 13 Lives and Jurassic World Dominion just because I, you know, usually that's where we do get the one-offs. Yeah, it doesn't go chalk. Yeah. Yeah. See, well, you went away from the conservative style of predictions that I usually ascribe to, which is why I will get in the 80s every year (laughs) until I jinx myself on the the year's previous show. Mm Mm-hmm. This is going to be one time where I go, I nail triple digit noms because the Academy's just going to lose their fucking minds. Oh, they're getting there. They're getting there. Uh, let's let's make uh, notes of these short films before we go. I, I'm actually excited because I've seen yeah, you nine. Well for yourself here. I've seen nine of the fifteen uh, in live action short. We have an Irish goodbye, Ivalu Le Pupil, uh, Night Ride, and uh, the Red Suitcase. Uh, I saw Le Pupil on Disney Plus. I saw Night Ride on YouTube. Uh, I saw it at a film festival, but it was also on YouTube. It'll probably be getting taken off YouTube, by the way. All these short films. That's why I was like jumping at. I was like, wait a minute, they're all gonna get taken off of YouTube like tomorrow, right? Because the short programs are gonna hit theaters. But hey, go to the short programs in theaters. Uh, Mike uh, documentary short, The Elephant Whispers on Netflix. Haul out. How do you measure a year? The Martha Myth, Myth uh, the Martha Mitchell effect on Netflix, and Stranger at the Gate are your documentary shorts. I love the Elephant Whispers. I'm thrilled to see that. Yeah, you were very, very upset. Holding Moses was not nominated in Doc Doc Short 38 at the Garden on HBO Max. The Jeremy Lin short is not nominated here. You mean New- to tell me not everybody's a Nick fan? <laughs> Noos- the Knicks getting snubbed again. <laughs> Nuisance Bear. Nuisance Bear was winning like all the short film awards throughout the season. It's a New Yorker short. The cinematography was to the point where you thought it was VFX. It was not real cinematography. It was so 4K crystal clean. And no, did not get nominated. Otherwise, animated short The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, The Flying Sailor. Ice Merchants, My Year of Dicks, mm. and of course, yet again, I mean, <laughs> an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it. Here's your Oscar, man. I don't care if that movie doesn't even have a movie. <laughs> I think it's some claymation film. Yeah, anyway, I, 
it could be a black screen. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and it will be what I tout as the winner in the category. Hey, you know what's a movie that has a black screen for mm. much of it? Is Skinamarink, which I saw last night. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> Going out on the second Skinamarink reference. Uh, hey, give me an overall thought. What do you think about the field for the Oscar noms? I, I wish... I wish you told me about that uh, send-off assignment. I just just came up with it, so I'm putting you on the spot. I think an ostrich told me the world is fake, but I think I believe it is is basically the sentiment I have after every Oscars nomination prediction special that becomes an Oscars nomination reaction special. I can't tell you the number of times I've had that exact dream. I think it's my year of dicks. <laughs> and and then, you know, I got uh I got another I got another, you know, Oscar nom set that makes me angry and makes me happy. I, but uh Ice Merchants. What I mean, can I reference more things from the we, last uh, section I said about? We are uh we Oof. are squarely in everything everywhere being the best picture favorite. It's inside. I mean, you have to pay a vig for it right now. It's as low as minus 200 on some books. I've seen it. Minus 225. Banshees is second. It's plus 225, plus 200. That's really, I mean, otherwise, Fablemans are all the way out to like 8 to 1, 9 to 1, 11 to 1. Mavericks all the way out to like 8 to 1, 10 to 1. Scott was DMing us and saying that he he wishes he was more bullish on everything everywhere because he was actually thinking that he wanted to make the case for Babylon, but certainly uh, he uh, he felt like everything everywhere has a, has a really good chance at SAG, and I would agree. BAFTA, yeah, I mean BAFTA could go any which direction, no. But how much is that going to matter with our Academy? We'll find out. All quiet on the Western Front, though. Isn't it weird how the BAFTA noms seem to matter more than the BAFTA winners? Just yeah, because, sometimes. I mean, I guess, you know, it happens because their BAFTAs are usually so late in the year. And However, usually the week before the Oscars, so. A lot of times an Olivia Coleman or a uh, Anthony Hopkins or a, I mean, we, we saw it two years ago. Could be foreboding, two, yeah. Two years ago with the Nomad Lands. Oh, my God, Francis McDormand, you know, making a late break for an mm-hmm. acting award. We've seen that happen a lot where the BAFTAs matter a great deal mm. in terms of the winners, so. I don't know. I I remember, I remember the Sex Panther by Odeon. You know, I remember fact. the uh, the fifth of November. <laughs> fact, but that that is a fact about every single one of the precursors, which is why we do this year round because we're we are banging our heads against this principle. Sixty percent mm. of the time, it works every time. Yeah, it goes. It it is a guiding principle of our lives, <laughs> of our. <laughs> Years, every year we're on this show, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's gonna and it's gonna prove true yet again, Michael. I'm sure of it. Uh, it smells like burnt hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's pungent. It smells like Bigfoot's dick. Uh, that's a an appropriate way for us to go off <laughs> on the Oscar nomination show. We are not done with the Oscar noms, not by a long shot. Mike will tell you about that. But as always, dear listener, what matters most to us uh, are your thoughts 
How were you right? How were you wrong? Where do your predictions stand now that you know the field and that it is set? Let us know all of that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us all those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review if you appreciate what we do here. Uh, those go a long way in helping us out. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, tell the good people what's coming next, and let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Well, we got to do the Oscar noms fallout show. We got to do uh, our Sundance reactions. We got like a couple of weeks where we can kind of preview a lot of the guilds, the guild award shows, where I think mm. we're going to have another guest for that particular show. That could be fun uh, because we got a couple of weeks before those award shows hit. And then uh, we got the Mike, Mike, and Oscars that we're gonna we're gonna do pretty soon. I think we're gonna do that in the ramp up instead of the fallout of the actual Oscars. We've mm. done that before, and that was just too much, too late. That bothered me. Yeah. So I, I hope we can finally get the MMOs done. Uh, and uh, we got a bunch of guests booked, and we got a bunch more that we still have to ask. Mm-hmm. So I think we're four, we're three booked, and we we got to ask at least a couple more people that usually come on and uh forgive us for not asking yet but they're regulars so hopefully they'll they'll say yes again we we love talking to our oscar season guests and we love branching out to some new people we've had some really great guests on this show throughout the year and we love uh we, we we love chatting this time this time this season it's always it's always like a burning question show no matter what i prepare it's always like ah oh, let's just get into it let's just throw throw every question we have at them and yeah usually works because these people are are awesome at what they do so that's uh that's coming up and words of wisdom we got to thank our audience mike because they have just been extremely supportive they've really showed out for us they've listened like crazy we're getting great numbers throughout these last uh couple months really and it's it's exciting we're talking about bigger things we're talking about not we're not just talking about transformers series rewatches <laughs> although that is the that majority of our conversation that we're not going to do a no cuz i veto it i will not i cannot do that what i've done remember that song no i don't want to remember any transformers stuff oh my god anyway maybe indiana jones maybe that one otherwise we got some cool ideas fast and furious again (laughs) just do mmo screams again right we're gonna have to i mean look when the oscars are done we have like six days of rest before scream comes out that's right we are going like i i put a week off in our schedule but we may not be able to because we have to see that movie yeah and we're gonna want a podcast about it immediately afterwards yeah yeah so there's no, we never, we, we only take a week off when you are beaten into submission by health. <laughs> that's good. That's healthy. That's, that's how. That's it. We, that's the only yeah. time we could take a week off. Yeah. So that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got 80% on the nose, by the way. 84 of 105. Good for you. B minus. I'm a well, B minus guy. <laughs> I did a D plus, which is exactly where I should be. <laughs> But you're the gambler. This see this is you know you're you're the Kenny Rogers of this duo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we got There's him. a song about gambling that he's written. Do you know he made a song with Wyclef Jean back in the day? Kenny Rogers? What? Yeah. 
Was it not a reprise of You Gotta Know When to Hold Them? I think it was, Mm -hmm. but it was like a hip-hop version, and it did not work. Yeah, that that is not surprising. (laughs) So, it's a nugget of information to end this episode (laughs) on, guys. (laughs) When reality sucks, you can come talk about the Oscar noms with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make a world award season year-round. A world season. (laughs) A world season year-round without the stuff. We will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.